This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Dr. Psych Mom Show. Today, I'm going to be talking about the moment that you realized you loved your partner and the moment they realized they loved you in the early origin story of your relationship and how this impacts uh, later developments in the relationship and therefore how you could use this information to help you understand the narrative of your relationship better, including problems that emerge. So before we get to this, though, please do subscribe. I have about over 30 paid episodes, including the most recent ones on couples and money, when men let themselves go, and of course, oral sex on women. Um, I mention that one every time because the blowjob one, so shockingly, is my most listened to episode. So I can't imagine that people wouldn't want to hear the uh, counterpiece, and it seems like they do. Um, anyhow, so we're going to be talking about the moment that you realize that you loved your partner. So why don't you go back and think about what this is and think about the one that is uh, the corollary for your partner. When was the moment that they realized they loved you? Now, if you've never asked that, this is a good question to provoke discussion. So um, let's say, and this happens a lot of the time, that the first time you said I love you was in bed. Well, the first time you said I love you is in bed, if you want to be logical instead of just idealistic, you can imagine that the partner who first said I love you in bed has a physical touch love language. And while they may have been building up to saying I love you before and they may have felt it um, growing, the moment that tipped the balance or that made them feel vulnerable enough to share was during sex or after sex. So what you can imagine then is that later on, if you tell yourself that um, you didn't understand Understand how important physical touch was to your partner or why they would be upset if the sex life has deteriorated, then you're fooling yourself. You knew it all along, really, because that was the moment at which they felt most vulnerable and most close, even in the very beginning of the relationship. For a lot of women, the moment is when the man makes some sort of big gesture. So if it was, uh, you know, your husband sent you flowers and you you had never received flowers before or um, something so uh, sweet in whatever way he did it, you know, and this was the gesture, the grand gesture that made you feel that you were in love, well, then it's no wonder if romance has gone out the window that you no longer feel quite as loving now. So you and your partner can have a very productive, useful discussion about how uh, these earliest expectations were were created because the moment that you said I love you you were basically saying I love you you are somebody who is doing this thing for me that meets this need that makes me feel good in a way that I haven't felt good before that is unique I feel to our relationship and that I want to keep forever and then if the partner stops doing those things then you feel like a contract has been broken and not in like some sort of superficial transactional sense but in the deepest most meaningful transactional sense, such as the commitment to love one another in the way that you uh, know is meaningful for the partner. That is a very deep level contract. That is the marital contract, a promise to love each other in the way that you need. 
And a clue for this can be in the very, very earliest origin of the relationship. Now, there are other ways that the origin of the relationship, that story can be very useful. Even the first date, when people tell me what they first thought about their partner on their first date, that could be extremely informative because that is when you aren't really trying to create a story in your head yet. You are just focusing on observing whatever is salient to you. So a man that thought, oh my God, she's so hot. Uh, guess what is going to be important to him? It's going to be important to him that physical uh, sexual spark, that connection. You know, if the woman thought that the guy was super smart, then that was obviously something that was very relevant and that she wanted to uh, keep in her life. That she, that's why she may have gone on a second date because he impressed her with his brilliance. If nowadays he saves his brilliance for work and he mostly just is a yes man to her and very passive around the home, then she's not going to be as attracted because obviously in even the earliest phases, she valued his intellect and his proactive thinking and was impressed by it. So um, you got to think deeply about your expectations for your partner now also and if they even have anything to do with things that you valued early on because if not, then you're really kind of barking up the wrong tree and you're self-sabotaging. So if on the very, and I tell this to women all the time who say that men don't take care of them. If the first date involved him showing up, blowing in there 15 minutes late, he uh, barely knew what to order off the menu. You thought it was so cute. You had been to the restaurant before. You had, you had pretty much, if you think about it, told him even how to take the subway to get to the damn date. And then he shows up absent-minded, and you just think it's cute. And then you're talking, and it turns out he didn't even know that, let's say, you have to renew a driver's license. and Or, or some seriously, people tell me shit like this that happens on the first date. Or you had talked to him, and he didn't understand people go to yearly physicals. Or ever get their teeth looked at after they're a boy or whatever and your early relationship was you basically taking care of him in a maternal way that obviously uh, fulfilled a need for you at that time then how in the hell are you expecting this man to just quote unquote grow up he was grown unless you met him when he was 12 he was grown and he was pretty absent-minded <laughs> you know and flaky and you fell in love with that guy and then you expect that after you have kids he's going to change he's not going to change just like you didn't really change you were super responsible at first and then you became even more responsible he's completely irresponsible i'm sure he got a little better but he's still in the irresponsible domain and if you go back and you realize well shit i guess he was always that way it can help clear up um a lot of uh, resentment and bitterness that somehow this is not what you signed up for. Well, it is. You're certainly within your rights to decide that you don't want it anymore. But at the very least, some of your hatred can be ameliorated by realizing even from the very beginning, this was never a man that advertised himself as somebody who could take care of another person because he could barely take care of himself. Now, I personally think that because childbearing is so delayed in our society now versus what, you know, you um, versus what it used to be, like as soon as a woman was fertile, like this is her teens and 20s. So 
um, women want, they have this nurturing maternal instinct. And if you can't have a kid, then what can you have? You could have a boyfriend that can't take care of shit. So a lot of women get really into this and I see it when they're young, when I have very young clients, they have a lot of pride about cooking for the guy and getting his schedule in order and keeping his apartment nice and even doing his laundry. All this seems very cute and it gives them a real sense of uh, pride that they will one day be a good mother, whether or not they articulate it. And then when they become an actual mother, the years later, they don't want to take care of him in this same way anymore. He's no longer the practice. You know, now she has actual children. So I feel when I hear, I, I see a lot of women of all ages and the younger they are, the cuter they think this stuff is. So if you are, um, parent of a teenage girl and um, you want to help them in any way and you are lucky enough that they listen to you in any way, uh, you know, really try to promote this uh, epiphany that if you got to take care of everything when he is a senior in high school and a senior in college, you're going to be taking care of everything forever. So might as well also look for a responsible guy that does have his own shit in order. But this does go against what some women young women really like and find very cute and endearing at an early relationship when they're basically practicing how they will one day be a caretaker. So um, be that as it may, that's an interesting tangent, but back to the uh, issue at hand is think also about what made you feel uh, a little bit, because you're thinking about the early relationship, what were the red flags if you're honest with yourself? Some people, like some uh, women in particular who talk more about their relationships to friends than men do, they had all these things that they were bitching about, about their boyfriend. And then it's like they don't like to think about it anymore. Because if they think about it after marriage, then they'll realize those red flags were evident from the beginning. And it's in pretty bad taste and not too nice for a friend to bring up these sorts of red flags after you get married because then that indicates they're not supportive of you. So, you know, it's rare that a friend will, you know, you'll say, for example, my husband cheated on me and your girlfriend will be like, yeah, girl, but he did that like all through college. So, you know, instead she's just going to be like, oh my God, he's such a prick. But if he was doing that all through college, then kind of you knew what you were getting into. This doesn't mean that he's a good guy for doing it, but it means that more productively your work needs to focus on why you put up with it then. You know, why you've always been putting up with it versus in some way... Um, saying that there's some big uh, change that is shocking and heartbreaking. There isn't. There's What you need to think about is why you allowed this stuff to go on right from the beginning, which is usually situated in family of origin issues and seeing one parent treat another parent poorly. Um, similarly, in my uh, usual uh, turn of topic when men say that a woman that their wife doesn't like sex but she used to when you dig deeper she really didn't used to that much as much as the guy says most of the time it's very rare for a woman to go from multiple times a day that she initiates in which she has an orgasm and wanting to be physically close yes there is a, a jump in just literally wanting to have more sex a higher sex drive in the honeymoon phase but this woman probably and I've written about this a lot had many other red flags indicating she was squeamish about physical uh, attributes, about biological things, about spit, 
it, about moisture, about uh, whatever the case may be. And this stuff was always there, and the guy was usually initiating, and she had rules and restrictions on sex from the beginning. She wasn't open-minded about various things. All that stuff was there right from the beginning. And the guy probably didn't like it right from the beginning, but he said, well, it's a, you know, she's a good woman. I love her. She, uh, she's really hot, and I'm sure this stuff will change. Or he swept it under the rug. If you are honest with yourself and you realize that she's kind of been the same person with a little bit of a higher sex drive superimposed in the beginning biologically by the honeymoon stage, but pretty much the same person with the same preferences, it can make you have a lot less resentment and bitterness because she is what she is. And she always was what she was. As I've said so many times, it's so highly unusual in today's day and age for a woman to, to um, consciously bait and switch with sex. I mean, that I've really, I work with many women in individual counseling and never have I heard somebody say, what I did was I gave him a lot of blowjobs till he proposed. Then I wrote down in my diary, oh, it's only six more months you have to do this, did a quickie engagement. And then in the honeymoon stage, I presented him with the only piece of information that he cared about, which is no longer will we ever have a blowjob. No, this is like something from Cruella DeVille. You know, I mean, this is a, a, a story that is not real. So obviously there were red flags. If a man was less emotional than you want, if a woman was less sexual than you want, there's usually red flags. And there's also, if you want to understand your partner better, there are clues in what is always going to be important to them from when they realize that they loved you. So it goes on the positive side and the negative side when we really deconstruct the early relationship, which is why it is so useful and people should talk about it a lot more instead of just stupid small talk that nobody really wants to be having on dates, right? Instead, you should be talking about things that may uh, bring you closer and help you understand one another better. And these include, how did you feel about me when we first met? When did you realize that you loved me? What did you think of our first sexual encounter? What did you think were any red <clears throat> sorry, any red flags in the relationship. You know, these sorts of things, deconstructing the early stages of the relationship can really bring you new understanding and new understanding can help with empathy and with perspective taking and with, of course, connection in a new way, which is what everybody's really going for in date night, not just to have a different venue to talk about the kids, you know, or whatever stupid shit you always have on rotation whether it's bitching about your boss or talking about your friend that, you know, your husband doesn't even give a shit about hearing about or whatever the case may be. So try to focus on things that help you understand each other better. I have 100 date night questions in my blog, but uh, you can use any sort of question. I also have a book, 52 Emails to Transform Your Marriage. You can do that too. You could email one another or even just use those uh, email prompts as conversation prompts. When the reason that one of the reasons that couples counseling is helpful besides the input of the therapist is just that people are talking about the relationship, which is a new thing to talk about usually, or at least it, they are helped to talk about it in a new way with different sorts of understanding such that the narrative of each of their lives uh, can intersect, then create the narrative of the couple and both people having an integrated and similar idea of the narrative arc, uh, the trajectory of the development of the couple's story. This is a thing that makes you feel very close and connected to have a similar story to understand why 
why you each got together and uh, why you each picked each other and now how you feel about one another through everything that you've been through. These are the sorts of conversations that really make people feel bonded and close. So do it. I mean, go in and I mean, listen to this podcast with your partner if they will. If they won't, don't just keep shoving it at them. Obviously, they don't want to hear my voice. God knows why. I mean, it is so um, such a wonderful podcast and my mellifluous voice. But um, <laughs> but but listen, just actually bring up the topics instead of, you know, crowbarring in listening to the podcast. If they really don't want to, you know, it's a free country, uh, but you can still bring up the topics. You could say, well, what was the moment you realized that you loved me? And if they're like, oh, this sounds like a trap, you could be like, yeah, well, you know, some of our conversations don't go well. So I'm trying to make things go differently by bringing up different sorts of things. I promise you it's not a trap. I'm honestly trying to understand us better and to get closer to you. You know, I mean, let's let's try. Let's try to talk about this topic. And of course, it's always good to come up with your own answer first. It's a lot. Somebody who's hesitant to get involved in some sort of deep relationship conversation that they think may be a trap uh, will be a lot less hesitant if you say, you know, I realized that the moment I loved you was when you uh, made me that mixtape because it was so thoughtful. Nobody had ever done anything like that for me. What about you? You know, and if they make some sort of a joke, say, no, I'm serious. This stuff is important to me to talk about. I really want to feel close. So you don't have to tell me right now, but maybe tell me sometime. Because a lot of people do, by the way, feel very put on the spot. And they can come up with an answer eventually. But just because they can't write then doesn't mean they don't love you. It just means they don't have that verbal agility that you may have. So you're not compatible on that domain of verbal agility. But that does not make or break a relationship, by the way. So um, always give, if somebody needs more time, give them more time. All right, well, hopefully this helps you think a little bit differently about one topic that could bring you closer and how that topic in and of itself provides these clues for what's going to be important to this person later on and how you can replicate it. So like if your wife says, yeah, when you sent me flowers to my work on a Tuesday just because I was having a bad day, that made me feel you were such a sweet guy, so thoughtful. We'll do it again, right? I mean, it's not not rocket science, right? You could do it again or you could do something very similar. And if you are doing those sorts of things, then ask her, oh, was there any other moments that, you know, made me realize, you realize how into me you were? And maybe she'll be like, oh, well, when you uh, decided to spend Thanksgiving with me instead of with your family that year and we went to Cabo, that really, that was the first time I had ever been away from my family. And so uh, for a holiday, it made me feel like we were in a real serious relationship to make that choice, well, shit, bring her to Cabo again, or at least bring her to a bed and breakfast like 30 minutes away and get an overnight sitter. I mean, we do what we can. So you, you know what I mean? And again, do this in the inverse. If your husband says it's how hot you were, how, how great sex was, how close and connected he felt, how understood he felt, well, then just try to be nice and sweet and sexual again. Again, not rocket science, but most people do not actually do this stuff that takes a lot of effort until they have the proof that it will most likely work. And I'm telling you, if something made your spouse fall in love with you, well, that's a pretty good guess that it could rekindle their feelings. And if they rekindle their feelings, they're going to be acting a lot more in the ways that you like, which is a positive upward cycle. All right. I was going to say good work, guys, because I say that at the end of some of my sessions when people do good work, but nobody's in this room. <laughs> so I did good work. Good work to me. And uh, I'll talk to everybody soon.